Good morning. It's the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace. Uh, so God's peace to you. And of course, our sermon series is The Ugly Side of Christmas. I'm wearing the leg lamp uh, sweater, which I will admit, I love a Christmas story. It is one of my favorite Christmas movies, but I'm not sure about this. This series, though, really isn't focusing on, on the fun side of the ugly side of Christmas. You know, wearing, wearing ugly sweaters, going to ugly sweater parties. Our senior hires have an ugly sweater party coming up later this, this month. Um, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is when some of those attitudes, behaviors, uh, habits kind of creep in or manifest during the season and turn this season into the ugly, ugly, ugly side of Christmas. How many of you would say, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you would say that you want to be like Jesus? That's your goal, that's your hope. You, you would say, yeah, 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 I want to be like Jesus. That's what I want to be. Okay, that's wonderful. When I was a kid, we used to sing a, a, a song. Maybe if you're younger, you may not have sung this song. But when I was a kid, we sang it. If you know it, you can join in with me because you don't want me to sing this whole song by myself. It goes like this. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Is that your prayer? That, that you would be like Jesus. That's what we just sang. And not just have, not just have a, a, a facade of Jesus, but for him to stamp his own image deep, deep, deep on our heart. Are you willing to say, I want to be like Jesus? I googled it, so this must be true. From the time of Adam till now, of all the people living on planet Earth, from Adam till now, 100 billion people. So you're saying of the 100 billion people who have ever lived on planet Earth, the one person that I want to be like is I don't want to be like Mike, Michael Jordan. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like Bill Gates. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like Albert Einstein. I want to be like Jesus. I don't even want to be like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham. No, I want to be like Jesus. Are you willing to say that? Well, let's look at Jesus a little bit. I mean, if that's what we want, and that's what we, we've said, I want to be like Jesus, that's what the Church of the Nazarene, we, we Nazarenes say that's our, our mission statement, to make Christ-like disciples, Jesus-like disciples in the nations. We're saying we want to not only us be like Jesus, we want everybody to be like Jesus. Well, that's great. Well, how is Jesus? Let's describe him. Well, you know, it's this time of year. He was born in a barn poverty. In Luke chapter 2, we're, we're, we're told this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, following the birth of a son, a woman had to wait 40 days before she could go into the temple and offer sacrifice for purification. That's what's going on here with Joseph and Mary. So Joseph and Mary took him, took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. A pair of pigeons... If you were sacrificing a pair of pigeons, you were considered extremely poor. If you were rich, you, you would sacrifice a lamb, maybe two, maybe three. I mean, if you were so thankful for what God had done, you would sacrifice. But if you were poor, extremely poor, 
He would sacrifice pigeons. Jesus came from a pigeon family. You remember his first couple of years, he was a refugee in Egypt because of crazy King Herod. They had to escape. They, they left uh, uh, Jerusalem and, and, and Bethlehem and went to, went to Egypt for a couple of years. Following that, they returned. They went back to that backwoods, backwards town, Nazareth, Nazareth. Remember, Nazareth was thought of, thought of so poorly that when Jesus got one of his first followers was a guy named Philip. And Philip was so excited about Jesus, he went and told his friend, Nathaniel. And the Bible clues us into their conversation. And Philip says to, to Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses and the prophets uh, wrote about in the law and whom the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was, 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 was considered the worst of the worst. If you were from Nazareth, oh, Nazareth. In fact, that's how the Church of the Nazarene got its name. How do we get our name? We got our name because, because we wanted to associate with those that the rest of society looked down upon and, and, and cared little about and said, oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Church of the Nazarene said, that, you're our people. You're who we, that's, we're here for you. We're, for, we're, we're the Nazarenes. We are associating with those that the rest of society thinks poorly of. Well, that's where Jesus was, from Nazareth. Backwoods, backwards town. Poverty, obscurity. We, don't, we know precious little about those first 30 years of Jesus' life. But then when he burst on the scene, you remember, he, he gathered a few disciples, fishermen really, ordinary people, no one special, and, and, and then he started doing miracles. His first one was uh, turning the water into wine at a marriage feast in Cana of Galilee, really at the behest, the, the asking of his mother. It's kind of a favor. But then Jesus started doing other miracles. Blind people were seeing. Deaf people were hearing. Lame people started walking. Dead people started breathing. And people started noticing. Jesus started telling some stories one of the crowd's favorite was about this kid who ran away from home and, and was gone, gone, totally wayward. He was so far gone, and every single day that dad went out and was waiting, waiting, waiting for the son. And one day, the son came to a sense of, man, I got to get home. And he went home, and what did the father do? He welcomed him with open arms. And Jesus said, that's how God is. Oh, people love that story. He told another story about a shepherd, a really, really good shepherd, in fact, a great shepherd who had a hundred sheep, but one of them got away. And that good, good shepherd left 99 of his sheep to go and find that one lost sheep. And Jesus said, that's how God is. He will go and seek after you. He loves you so much, he'll seek after you. If you're gone, he'll seek and seek and seek until he finds you. People love that. And crowds started coming, bigger crowds, bigger crowds, all coming, hanging on every word that Jesus spoke. One time, all four gospels tell it that Jesus was, was preaching to a crowd of 5,000 men. In fact, the Gospels say it's just, they just counted the men. They didn't count the women. So you got to figure if there was 5,000 men, there would be 5,000 women. And if there was 5,000 women, back in those days, they had a lot of kids. So conservatively, say each woman had, had two kids with her, that would be 10,000 kids. So 5,000 men, 5,000 women, 10,000 kids, 20,000. 20,000 people were there listening to Jesus getting a free bread and fish lunch. Oh, wow. Jesus was the hottest ticket in town. He was the rock star. I mean, everybody was, they just loved Jesus. He was doing all these great things. And who knows, maybe when you'd show up, you, somebody would get healed or, 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 or somebody would, 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 would start breathing who were dead or maybe we'd all get a free lunch. 
But then they started listening to what Jesus was saying. And what Jesus was saying, he was saying some hard things, some crazy things. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Take up your cross. Jesus, come on. Cross means death. Take up our execution place. Take up our cross. Jesus, I just want a free lunch, okay? I'm not, I'm not getting crazy here. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Another follower came to him and wanted to follow Jesus and said, and Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Come on, Jesus. I don't need to stay in the Taj Mahal, but, you know, a Motel 6 even, I'd be all right. I just need some place to lay my head. That doesn't sound very safe, very comfortable. Jesus said, there's no place to even lay down. How's this one for a recruiting technique? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus, what are you talking about? I, 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 I got to love my family. I hate myself? That's not very good for self-esteem. What are you talking about? You mean to say that in comparison to my love for you, I've got I've to be like I hate them because I love, love, love you so much. Jesus is first and always first. Is that what you're, that's too much, Jesus. We've talked plenty of times about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus patting himself on the back. I have kept every commandment. What else do I need to do? And Jesus said, well... How about this? Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Whoa. That's, that's a little crazy, Jesus. Or the one that I think I don't like the most when he was speaking to his disciples in John 16. In this world, you will. Not you might. Not you could. Not in that rare occurrence that something strange would happen. No, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, thanks a lot. And those 20,000 people who got the free bread and fish lunch, by the time Jesus got to the cross, there was just a handful of women and a teenage disciple named John. That's it. After some of those, had, some of those people had, had been with Jesus for three years, they saw all those miracles. They saw dead people breathing, lame people walking, blind people seeing. Some of them, Peter and James, they heard God Almighty himself say, this is my son on the mountain of transfiguration. This is my son. Listen to him. And they were gone. From 20,000 to three or four ladies and a teenage disciple named John. That's it. Wait a minute. I thought... I thought if you can draw a big crowd, then that must mean Jesus is in it. Well, maybe not always. Wait a minute, I thought if a crowd started shrinking, that means that, that Jesus has left the building or Jesus can't do it or there must be sin involved or something like that because, because if, if it's going down, then that means Jesus has left. Well, not here. Jesus would never have been, been asked to speak at a church growth conference. He went from 20,000 to three or four. What's going on here? Well, when people started listening to Jesus, they realized that, that what he was saying was a little uncomfortable. I mean, they liked the free bread and fish lunch. They, they liked to, he, seeing miracles. They loved some of the stories. But then he started saying stuff like what he said in Matthew 25. Do you remember that? People didn't, people didn't like it. He's the, it was uncomfortable. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger. You invited me in. I, I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. You see, when a church starts doing that, I mean, when they're all in on Jesus, and they start saying, yeah, that's who we want to be. We want to be like Jesus. What did Jesus say? This is what you got to do. I was, he, I was sick. I was thirsty. I was, I was in prison. I was lonely. I needed some help. And you were there. When a church starts doing that, when people start following after Jesus, that's, that's when you start looking like Jesus. That's when the kingdom starts coming. So here's our Matthew 25 year-end report card. Let's see what it says. Uh, Jesus said, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. You know, we partner with, the, with the, um, his ministry, the Church of Christ next door. We partner together with the food pantry this week, thanks to Dr. Anthony and a bunch of you all, we, and, and Myers tripling what we gave, we were able to give his ministry $13,500 in gift cards this week. That's pretty awesome. But every single week, every single week, we have people packing grocery sack, little sacks. They go to the store, they buy the food, they bring it here, they pack it all up, they take it over to Dylan. Because Dillon Elementary School has, has identified 60 or so kids that they're worried aren't eating on the weekends. They eat at school, but they're worried that on the weekends they don't get to eat. So every week, we got some volunteers coming. They buy the food, they pack the food, they take it over to Dillon. So those 60 or so kids don't go hungry on the weekends. I was hungry. Gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. We live in Flint, Michigan. We've all talked to people, every single one of us. Where are you from? I'm from Flint. Oh, did you drink the water? At the height of the Flint water crisis, we were able to partner with the Convoy of Hope, and the Convoy of Hope blessed us with truck after truck after truck of water that was taken to Joy Tabernacle and distributed because why I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. We, I, I may have told you this, I told you this story, but you probably forgot it. In the midst of that, I had a, a guy, a friend of a friend of a friend, called me up one day out of the blue and said, Rob, this is, I'm so-and-so, and I own a water filtration company. And, and we want to give you the top of the line, the best water filtration system for your church. We'll come, we'll get it there, and you can have it. It won't cost you a dime. We're going to give it to you. It normally costs $8,000. We're going to give it to you. I said, well, that's great, but we don't need it. I said, we're on Detroit water. We don't have Flint water at the church, and our water's fine. I said, but I have a friend, and we, we partner with the church in, in Civic Park, Joy Tabernacle, and, and they're, right in the, they're right in the heart of the bad water. Would you give it to Joy Tabernacle? And the guy goes, well, sure, we'll give it to Joy Tabernacle. So I was there on the day they were installing it. And the pastor, Pastor McCatherine, he came out, and he was so thankful and he gave me a big hug, and he said, oh, Rob, I'm so glad for this. Now my people will be baptized again. Amen. That's what Jesus, I was hungry. He gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. He gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I think of maybe if Jesus were around these days, he would have said, it was Christmas time, and I needed clothes, and my kids needed clothes, and it was Christmas. We wanted to give them a little something, something, and, 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 and you were there. Do you know what you've done this year? This year, before today, before Roshana had a bunch more tags, but before today, it's not counting today. You guys 
have given 730 gifts, 268 bags of groceries to people in our neighborhood who wouldn't have celebrated Christmas. I think that's awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. That's, that's awesome. We're a generous church. Not only that, there's been so many stories. I can't tell them all of generosity of Sunday school classes, taking on a project and helping folks or, or people needing this or that in the church and, and people stepping up and doing it. We're gen- if you're new, if this is your first Sunday here, let me just tell you, Central, that's part of our culture, generosity. Why? Because we believe what Jesus said to do, we need to do. And Jesus said, give and it'll be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So we, we're, we're compelled to be generous. We want want to be the church that does what Jesus said to do. What did he say to do? Well, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I I needed clothes and you clothed me. Then he said this. I was sick and you looked after me. Do you know, the pastors of uh, of the church, we, we all do hospital visits and we all visit them, but not just us. Last month, in the month of November... Every single day in the month of November, a lay person from our church was in a hospital visiting somebody who was every single day, didn't miss one day, was in a hospital or going to visit a shut-in, somebody who couldn't get out and sharing with them the love of Jesus. I was troubled. I had a hole in my heart. I was grieving. I was addicted. I was in trouble. I needed help. And guess what? You helped me. It's doing what Jesus said to do. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You gave me clothes. I was sick. You looked after me. Jesus said this. He said, and I was in prison. And you visited me. For those in prison recently, or those recently released from prison, they need, they need dignity. They need care. They need love. One of our pastors, our young adult pastor, John Livengood, he's gone to the, to the jail about every other week for the last, I don't know how long, to visit a young man who's in jail. We have a great couple in our church, Dennis and Sue Winan. They started a ministry called Reconnections. I love Reconnections. It, it takes recently released convicted felons and, and reacclimates them to society. They give life skills. They give job skills. It's a wonderful, I love it. And they are, they are a couple of my heroes. They have people that mentor both men and women. And, getting, and Dennis has done such a great job. And I don't know the percentage. It's a crazy percentage of the people who are, you know, felons. It's hard to get jobs. When you tell on your resume, well, you know, when you're filling out a job application, you have to write down, I'm a felon. Those people, that's, they're hard to get jobs. But Dennis has got, it's like 80%, something like that of people who have completed his program. And some of, those people, some of those people have come here. Some of those people we baptized last summer in the lake because God is coming. Why? Because they're doing what Jesus said to do. I was in prison. I was in trouble. I was lonely. I was sick. I needed clothes. I was a stranger. I was thirsty. I was hungry. And you cared for me. It's doing what Jesus said to do. But see, the problem is when you start getting into what Jesus said to do, that's when people get uncomfortable. And when Jesus told the story, some of the folks, some of the folks said, hey, wait a minute, Jesus. We never once saw you hungry. We didn't see you thirsty. We didn't know you were in prison. If we would have known, we would have come, we would have helped you if we would have known. 
And you remember what Jesus said, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did not do for me. When you start doing what Jesus said to do, when, when, when you start really following what Jesus said to do, Jesus shows up and the kingdom of God is built and the thing we've been praying for for years now, that God's kingdom would come in Flint as it is in heaven. That's when it starts happening. But let me just assure you, people start getting nervous then, just like in the first century. And they say stuff like, hey, <laughs> that's not what I signed up for. I'll give you an hour out of my 168 hours in a week. One hour, that's what you get. I just want to come to church, feel good, go home, and not think about Jesus again for 167 hours, and then I'll come back next week for another hour unless I'm, I'm too busy or unless I stayed up too late on Saturday night or unless my kid has a soccer game or unless, you know, I need a me day. But other than that, then you got me for one hour. And don't ask me to put anything more than a couple bucks in the plate because, you know, that's all tied. Are you kidding me? And, 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 and I don't want to get my hands dirty and I don't really want to meet my neighbor because they're different from me. And I really don't want, I, I, I just want a dash of Jesus, enough of Jesus to keep me out of the bad place, but not so much of Jesus that it makes me, it shakes up what I want to do. Remember our topic for today, spending less, giving more. Jesus wants more. That's what I'm telling you. Jesus wants more. He wants you. Don't, don't think that I'm just saying, you know, I'm anti. Don't call me, you know, Reverend Scrooge. Oh, boy, you know, Reverend Scrooge. Give less, spend less, give more. I'm not talking, this isn't talking about present, Christmas presents. I bought my boys presents. I bought Carla presents. Well, Carla picked out her presents, you know, ordered her presents and gave them to me and said, give them back to me. That's <laughs> kind of how it works. It's doing what Jesus did. I don't think Jesus ever showed up at Mary and Martha's house with, a, with his arms full of presents and said, hey, it's my birthday, got all these things for you. Jesus was a carpenter. Never once, never once in the gospel says to say, and Jesus made a table and chair and he, and he, or a knickknack that Mar Martha and Mary could stick on their shelf. It doesn't say anything. The only thing Jesus ever made was a whip. That's it. And he didn't give it as a present. He gave it to us when he was flipping over tables and chasing the money changers out of the thing and whipping and whipping and kicking some booty. That's the only thing Jesus ever made. How did Jesus give? I want to be like Jesus. That's where we started. I want to be like Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? He didn't give anybody a silver package wrapped with a bow. What did he give? He gave himself. That's what he gave. He gave himself. Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 9 says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. He's not talking about a new camel or a new robe or a new pair of sandals. No, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus gave himself. He was thankful for the freedom, the peace, the love, the joy, the, 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 the forgiveness that came from Jesus. Paul in the kenosis passage in Philippians chapter 2, kenosis means poured out. Jesus left the, maj the majesty of heaven and poured himself into humanity. The incarnation, God became man. He is one of us. That's what Christmas is all about, right? And Paul in that passage, Philippians 2, has been saying what I've been preaching. He says this in verse 5. Have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Be like Jesus. Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. Be like Jesus. And then he describes what he's talking about. Who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the greatest gift. He gave himself. And if we're going to be like Jesus, that's what we said we wanted. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. If we're going to be like Jesus... We're going to give ourselves. Again, I'm not saying no presence. I'm not Pastor Grinch. I'm not Reverend Scrooge. That's not what I'm saying. Spend less, give more. What I'm saying is your spouse, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, your friends, your neighbors, us, all of us. What we need is not more presence. What we need is your presence, P-R-E-N-S-E-N-C-E, not T-S, your presence. What I'm saying is, if we're going to be like Jesus, then that means we're going to do what Jesus did. And what Jesus did was he was present with people. That's the whole point of the incarnation. Spend less, give more. He was present with himself. He was living among us, God with us, present, present, present with us. You've seen it. You've, you've seen what happened. You've seen kids who've gotten everything under the sun, everything imaginable, except the one thing they needed, their love of their parents, the presence of their parents. And most generally, those kids turn out to be holy terrors, unholy terrors. You've seen the flip side. Kids who haven't had much materially, haven't had all the things, but they had their parents' love. They knew their parents supported them. They knew their parents had their back. And those kids soar. What am I saying? We need to give ourselves Spending less, giving more, giving more of yourself, giving as Jesus gave. How did Jesus give? Well, he gave freely, generously, unselfishly. He gave frequently, continually. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, for how you're working. In Jesus' name, amen.